Welcome to Fragmented, a software developer podcast where we talk about building good software and becoming better developers. My name's Don Felker. And I'm Kaushik Gopal. Welcome to the show. Before we get started here today, I wanted to tell you about the relaunch of AndroidJobs.io. Android Jobs is a job board that I launched many years ago, and I just recently relaunched it with a brand new design and on a brand new platform. If you're looking to hire an additional Android team member, or you know of somebody that wants to hire an Android professional of any sort, that includes developers, designers, anything of that nature, then please let them know about androidjobs.io. All job postings are free at this time during the early release phase. Eventually they'll be paid, but right now they're all free at the time of this recording. So please go to androidjobs.io and you can post a job for free. Or if you're looking to see what other jobs are available, you can also go there and plug your email address in and we'll start emailing you here very soon, letting you know weekly about the new jobs that are available on androidjobs.io. Again, check it out at androidjobs.io. Hey everybody, welcome back to today's podcast. And on today's show, we're gonna talk about something a little bit different than a coding practice or a design pattern or anything of that nature. And the topic is adhering to the existing code standards of a code base that you enter. Now, that may sound kind of obscure, but for the veterans who listen to the show, anyone who's been around for a little while, any developers who've joined multiple different teams and seen many different code bases, you notice that not every code base is the same. In fact, some code bases will follow a particular style guide and that's very structured and they'll use plugins into their IDEs that say the code has to look a certain way. Maybe there's a space after the, you know, any of the operators like plus or minus, maybe the new, the bracket, that's on the same line as an if statement has to go on the next line, like C sharp. Maybe there's certain ways that a team does things. And I've seen this countless times throughout my career. Now, when I'm writing my own code, I have my own style guide that I follow. And usually what I follow is going to be what's kind of the industry norm that's put out by and accepted by the wide, vast, you know, group consensus of developers out there. And if this is going to be an Android, it might be a style guide that's put out by a popular company that a lot of people adopt. It might be something by Google. If it's JavaScript, it might be some popular JavaScript format using ESLint to verify that. If it's Ruby, it might be standard RB. There's a number of ways that you can do this. But the topic in which I'm talking about today is when you actually show up at a client or at a new job and you look at the code base, and you see some code that's funk, that's just really funky. The way they formatted it is really weird. And to give you an example, one time I was working over at Medtronic, which is a medical tech company, and they, and this is probably close to 10 to 12 years ago, we had written some code for them at this consulting agency that I was at, and every new function had to start with a three-line comment and the top line had to be blank, the bottom line had to be blank, but the two slashes for the comment, this was a C-sharp language, the two slashes at the top and the bottom had to be empty, so there was nothing there. And your comment could only go in the middle. And this was to document every function. 
this was not a standard norm by any stretch of the imagination. It was just how that was done there. Now, to me, this looked really funky. It was a waste of space. I already knew that most of those document, these code comments would not get updated. And furthermore, it just looked really cluttered to me. However, what I had learned over the course of many years prior to that is there's two ways to go about this. I can either hop into the code and do it my way, which I think is correct, and maybe I'm adhering to industry standards, and therefore I must be correct and arrogant in that regard, or I accept and adopt the code base's standards. So which one should you do? Well, kind of really depends on a couple of situations. A situation one is you're working for a company, you're maybe you're the new person there. And in that situation, you join a company and they have a set of standards that they follow. In that case, I recommend that you follow their set of standards. If they have a certain way of documenting their code, then you should adopt that as well. If they don't document anything at all, we'll get to that in a second, but let's say they have some type of documentation or they have some standard they follow, you should stick to that. Now, why is that? Why should you adhere to a particular standard when it's something that you're not familiar with? Well, mainly because it's going to be a way that you can ensure that your code is going to be readable across your team. And your team members, when they pull your code down, are going to be able to read your code and see what it does. It's going to make sense to them. See, there's something that happens in your head when you read code, and all of a sudden, when you go to another file and the format is vastly different, what you're going to notice is there's like this kind of jarring sensation that happens inside of you because the pattern recognition that you're used to, to seeing is not there. Boom, this code has a different format. Like, wow, I don't even know what I'm looking at. In fact, you've probably had this happen when you go look at into some source code for an open source project. You hop into it and you're completely lost and it does not make any sense whatsoever of what's happening or why it's doing what it's doing because of just the different coding standards they've done. So this is why you should follow the existing coding standard that has been set in place for a particular company or wherever you're working at. You can, this could be full-time consulting, freelancing, whatever. That kind of just creates a cohesiveness around the actual project and allows you to view and read the code accordingly. All right, so let's take the flip side of that. We have the other option here is you've went to a company, this is kind of, you know, 1A, and you went to a company and they don't have a standard. What do you do in that situation? In that situation, what you're going to do is you're going to have maybe the opportunity to implement some type of standard. What I recommend here is finding a common standard that's available out there, that's documented and supported by the community. And then at that point, you can adopt it and then educate the team members on this is why it's good to adopt a common style amongst your code. Now, again, there's a bunch of them out there that you could use. I'm not going to tell you which one that you should use. I just tend to follow whichever one is the most popular uh, and widely accepted in the given industry that I'm working in. So if it's JavaScript, it might be JavaScript. If it's Kotlin, it'll be a Kotlin one, Java, whatever. You kind of get the point. This will allow you to also become an educator within your team. And your team's going to see you as a leader in the team because you're trying to improve the code quality. You're going to try to improve the communication, trying to improve everything that's going on between the team because the code is the source of truth of everything. If there's a bug, what do we have to do? We have to go into the code base and figure out what's going on. 
And the more times we have to do a context switch because developer A made the code look a certain way and developer B made the code look a certain way and developer C made the code look a certain way, well, then it gets really, really difficult. It's hard to really understand what's going on. It really mentally taxes you at the end of the day. And that's something that you would really want to try to avoid. So if you can introduce some type of common coding style guide and structure and so forth, uh, you're going to be an unsung hero to the team and also help lead the team to much more code cohesion, cleanliness, and code quality at the end of the day. Now, the other option is that you just don't adopt any coding practice whatsoever and you just kind of cowboy code it up and you just kind of get the, the stuff done and ship it. Is there anything wrong with that? Some craftsmen of the software craftsmen would say that there's a problem with that. But at the end of the day, the computer really doesn't care what your code looks like. As long as it compiles and runs, it'll work. But that's not too considerate of your future self or any future developers that you're working with. So I wouldn't really highly advise that you go down kind of option B of just saying, you know what, I don't care. I'm just going to write this code and get it done, whatever. I highly recommend that you follow the existing style guide in there. Now there's kind of a, a final option here of what do you do when you've maybe entered a company, and this can be considered option three, you've entered a company, there's been an existing style guide. It didn't really work out that well. They realize it's not that great. Perhaps there's a bunch of different file formats lying around or coding styles and formats lying around and you're wondering what you should be doing. At that point in time, you can do a couple of things. One, you could take a look at the existing style that's inside of the code base and see if one of them actually is quite standardized. If it is, you might want to just bolt onto that one because it's going to be easier to maintain that standard and slowly adapt it to maybe a more widely accepted format. Another option is going to be just to completely start afresh and say, all right, we're going to start using this new standard of coding. And here's the new style. And then what you start doing from that point forward is following that new style. Then as you touch any existing code that you have interacted with, maybe you need to go look at an old class file, update something that's happening, change that feature. As soon as you touch it, you update that file to match the new format of the coding standard. This, in my opinion, is going to be the best approach if you have a large legacy application that has a lot of code and you just don't want to go back through and just adjust the code just for the sake of making the style look better. If you're inside of the class, you're making a change, that is the premier opportunity for you to improve the code quality and make it match the existing style format. So that's going to what I'm going to recommend in that approach is that you find something that your team agrees on and stick with it. If you've maybe adopted a project, you're the only developer, find again, find that standard that you want to work with and just stick with that. And then don't let the overwhelming 20,000 files that are sitting on your drive that are not in the new format bother you. Just know, hey, going forward, all the code is going to be in this new format. And anytime I touch any one of these old files, I'm going to then update that code to match the new coding standard. Now, there's a bunch of tools out there that are going to allow you to help you to do this. And as I mentioned, it depends on the framework and the platform in which you're working on. If you're working on something like Kotlin or the JVM, you want to go ahead and look at any of the different style plugins that you can use that will allow you to specify that, hey, this this file is not following a style guide. These things will plug into Android Studio, IntelliJ, and so forth, and will show you the errors. Furthermore, they can plug into your build system and let you know that, hey, this file is not adhering to the, the standard that we have been set. 
Lastly, in that same regard, is if you have a number of files that are not going to match that, again, maybe you've got those 20,000 files lying around and you're not gonna be able to get to them until you touch them uh, or update that feature. So maybe 90% of those you're never going to change, that's fine. So what you can do inside of the build process and the plugins at that point is you can tell the build process, look, go ahead and ignore all of these files or this file glob pattern and don't worry about these and it won't process those. And then any new files that come along, it'll automatically include those ones inside of a build process. The same thing will happen in not just Android and, and Kotlin and Java, but same thing in, in applications like Ruby. There's standard RB, there's plugins for Visual Studio Code, RubyMine. If you're using Python, you'll find plugins for PyCharm. Uh, again, VS Code, if you're using that for, for Python. And there's all different types of things. So once you find that standard that you want to stick to, you can go ahead and look up, you know, coding styles and so forth, coding standards uh, for your given language and see if you can find a plugin for it that'll work with your IDE as well as your build system and then figure out how to hook it into your build system. And that's really the last step here is automating this whole process because you want to catch these things as soon as they happen. And as soon as you catch these issues, the cheaper it gets. And I read this somewhere from Martin Fowler and I forget what blog post it is. And if I can find it, I'll, I'll shove it into the show notes. And it was in an article he wrote many years ago and he outlined of how when you'll find a bug in development, it is exponentially cheaper when you fix it in development than fixing it in production. Now, I'm not saying that your coding style is going to perhaps introduce bugs, though that could happen. What I'm trying to say is when you, the earlier you find any issue inside of your code base, the cheaper and easier it is going to be for you to fix. So if, as much of this that you can automate through plugins that'll op, that'll just run in your IDE as you're typing your code to CICD pipelines that will fail the build if you don't pass a certain style guide, the better. And the reason simply is because later down the road, again, as you open your code, you're going to start seeing a pattern. And when you, your brain operates on a certain way, it's very pattern oriented. And you'll notice this if you've looked a lot of logs from servers, maybe you're an Android developer, you're used to looking at Logcat or Ruby, you're used to looking at the Ruby server output. You'll see certain patterns that happen. An exception occurs. You'll see the format of the log almost changes. And you know exactly what you're looking through. You could scroll through 10,000 lines of log code and you can almost see exactly where an exception is. You may not know what it is, but you'll know, hey, that block, something happened. And you can zoom in on that and see, oh, here's an exception happened. How did that happen? It's because you're doing pattern recognition. Same thing goes when you're working with code. If your code has the same format all over the place, you're gonna find it much easier to work with. You're gonna find it much easier to maintain. It's gonna have less cognitive load on you. And frankly, it's just gonna actually wear you out less. Because if you have code in 10 different formats and 10 different files and one file puts the variables at the top and the next file puts the variables at the bottom and the next line puts the variables wherever they're declared or the constants or whatever you want to call them, it's just going to be really confusing because you're going to open that file and be like, okay, where's the constants? Well, they're, they're supposed to be at the top. And then you're like, well, why are they at the bottom? And then you're questioning yourself, why are these constants at the bottom? Like, what is this developer thinking? Like, okay, I need to remove these to the top. This is dumb. And these are the things that go through your head. But then after you say that, you you move these things around and now you have to slow down again and change gears. You have to change context again. Like what, okay, what was I doing again? Was I fixing a bug? Was I implementing that feature? And you got to get back into that flow state again. 
and it's very difficult. Now, when you have consistent code standards all the way across the board, what you'll notice is it's much easier for you to do your job because everything's the same. You can navigate between the files. You know where to find everything. There's less cognitive load. And overall, it just makes your life as a developer much easier. It makes development much more joyful and less cumbersome at the end of the day. So what's the synopsis here? Essentially, just have a common code standard. It's going to make your life a lot easier. Find one for your language, get the tools implemented, automate it as best you can, and uh, enjoy coding. I hope that helps. Okay, everybody. I'll catch you in the next episode. Hey, folks, before you get going, don't forget to check out androidjobs.io. All job postings are now currently free during the early release phase. And if you're looking to see what other jobs are available, you'd be surprised at some of the jobs that are out there. Almost all of them are remote friendly. Tons of great companies posting there. You can sign up and get notified of new job postings on a weekly basis. Check it out at androidjobs.io. Thanks. That's it for the show, folks. Fragmented is hosted by Don Felker and me, Kaushik Gopal. We edit and produce all the episodes here on Fragmented. You can find more Fragmented episodes at fragmentedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.